Hello and welcome to the Folklore Scotland podcast. Every two weeks we're going to be bringing you the best of Scottish folklore. Folklore Scotland is a charity founded to protect and preserve Scottish folklore through taking a multimedia approach to compiling and sharing folktales, telling the tales of the past with the technology of today. The Summer Fire Festival of Beltane is just around the corner. And in this episode, we wanted to make you feel like you were outside, around the fire, enjoying Beltane from wherever you are in the world. So come up to the top of the hill and sit by the fire to catch your breath, while I tell you a bit about what Beltane is and what to expect in this auditory celebration. Beltane takes place on the 1st of May and is widely believed to come from the calendar of the ancient Celts. It's a fire festival that centres around celebration, heat and summer. If the summer solstice is the longest day, the transition into the cold half of the year, then Beltane is the fire in the year's belly. It's the roaring furnace, the earth in its prime, the glare of the sun. This was when the agricultural and farming season truly got underway after the dark and cold winter. Seeds could be sown and animals could be sent out to pasture, driven between fires to promote protection over them for the coming year. As the earth awakens from its slumber, its people celebrate all that is to come. The other fire festival in the pagan calendar is Savin, Celtic New Year, and this is a poignant time to pause and think about those who have passed beyond the veil and enter into the deep reflection period of winter. Beltane, on the other hand, unapologetically and loudly celebrates new life. The new life of the budding trees, the new life of lambs in the field, and the new life of shoots sprouting out of the ground. The celebrations were packed with fertility symbolism, from dancing around maypoles, the braiding of hair, and leaping over fires. So sit back, relax, and allow Folklore Scotland to guide you through the Festival of Belting. For the ancient Celts, the world was a frightening place. They relied on their gods to guide them through a world of storms, floods, drought, war and famine. What we casually examine as mythology was once a way of life. The gods and goddesses were very real and they made their presence felt. We begin in darkness. Above us, hundreds of thousands of stars glint like grains of salt on an inky black ocean. Feel the heather scratch at your ankles. Hear the low susurrus of voices waiting in eager anticipation. Then, a spark of flint. For just a moment, a harsh white seed of starlight floods the hilltop before the fire blooms. You squeeze your eyes shut against a sudden attack, only to see its ghost dance across the inside of your eyelids. That light is Bell. He is the sparkling dance of light over the loch, the warmth of the hearth, the seed of the fire. He stands with us now, on top of the hill, as we prepare to welcome in the new season. 
As the fire lights, the warmth begins to spread to the tips of our fingers while our cheeks pinch and flush in the cold. But it does not matter. The celebrations are beginning. Laughter dips and swells in a great rushing tide and the drink flows freely. (laughs) Everyone you know has gathered for this celebration. Even those who would normally be unwelcome at your hearth share a cup. No debtors can be punished, nor outlaws chased on Beltane. Everywhere there is music and laughter and life. The winter was hard. The winter is always hard. But now is the time for celebration. A man stumbles into you as he races to leap through the flames. For a moment, he balances between the fall and the flight, lifted by a riot of oranges and reds painting his skin. Of course, he tumbles back down, but the memory of his flight lingers in the glint of his eyes. Behind him, a young couple, hand in hand, allow the fire to tickle their feet as they vault over. Her hand settles on her stomach as they catch their breath, praying that Belle will grant them a child. A lone woman limps away, her footprints uneven in the dirt. She is in pain. You can see it in the way she hugs her arms tightly to her chest, her spine bending like an ancient willow. As she passes you, you notice the yellowing strip of cloth clutched in her hand, the determined set of her chin and nose softened in the firelight. She is making her way to the clutie well, where she will wait for the first light of a hopeful sun to hit its mossy stones. She plunges her hand into the well's glacial depths, soaking the cloth. With luck and devotion, she can wash away her illness and leave it hanging on the holly, trapped in a yellowing clutie. In your village, the fire stretches up to the sky, snapping wooden bones and shooting embers like a bronze dandelion. Around you, its seeds take hold as torches and smaller bonfires blink to life, the rare silences filling with the happy sound of crackling. The soft, earthy scent of the heather drowns in the rich bite of the smoke. Above every door and stable, a branch hangs, the last sign of death before green leaves bud and the land breathes once more. In the morning, washed in the light of the sun and the smouldering remains of the Beltane fire, the animals will be driven to pasture. But for now, we will gaze into the fire and listen to its creaky voice, breathing in the joy and the promise of the season to come. As you look into the flames, a figure emerges, dancing in the cinder. A woman sits alone and sews, her hair a quivering flame. Somewhere in the distance she hears a horn bray and moves to her window. She spots outside a handsome young man, and he is no mortal, but an elfin knight. She calls to him and in one graceful motion he leaps through her window and comes to rest at her side. The two figures flicker there for a moment. Lady Isabel is much taken by the handsome stranger, who looks into her smouldering eyes and says, Will you go to yon Greenwood side? And in a blaze, the figures vanish, reappearing in a matter of moments, each seated upon a magnificent horse. The horses who leap amongst the rolling green hills, sparks flying from beneath their hoofs. Soon they slow, and the handsome knight dismounts, He takes the lady by the hand and helps her down, and says, We are come to the place where you are to die. 
Seven king's daughters he I slain, and ye shall be the eight of them. You watch as the lady tries to pull away, but the elfin knight holds her fast. Hey mercy, hey mercy, kind sir on me, she pleads with the handsome knight, hoping his mercy will give her but one more chance. When the knight refuses her still, the lady sits upon the green grass. Oh, sit down a while, lay your head on my knee, says the lady to the elfin knight, that we may have some rest before that I die. While at first the elfin knight hesitates, he's soon taken by the lady's gentle spirit and sits by her side. Isabel strokes his golden hair, his pretty face. She lulls him in the warmth of the May afternoon and soon he falls asleep. And Lady Isabel, the most cunning of men, takes the knife from his belt and pierces the heart of the elfin knight as he slumbers on her lap. As seven king's daughters hear ye he slain, lie ye here a husband to them all. The figures in the flames shiver and fade until all that is left is the bonfire. You hear the festivities swell around you and as you look up, you see a great court. It is time to crown the May Queen, but be sure to watch for handsome elfin knights as you go, for on Beltane the veil between worlds is at its thinnest. Decked in white, like the earth's own fair bride, the May Queen ascends the hill. She is the picture of youth, chosen from among the young women of the village to be crowned and bring forth the warm season. Her jolly green men, lively boys from the village all dressed in green, accompany her as Jack in the Green, who is also waking up this eve. Each step she takes is one closer to the warmth and joy of summer. Each step up the slope of the hill another closer to hope. When the procession crests the hill, the revelry stops, the drumming falls silent, the chatter stills, the crowd pulling close, necks craning to snatch a glimpse of her. They know she is a local girl, they know they've seen her out and about toiling at work, but tonight she is a queen, or a radiant goddess. She stands before them, and the crown of spring flowers is lowered onto her curls. She is crowned queen of the May, the crowd cheers and the celebrations begin again. For now that the May Queen is crowned, the summer can surely begin. But there is still one more thing left to do. The lights of the city sparkle and dance in merry bursts of orange. From above, Kelton Hill looks like a strange migration of fireflies, blinking messages back at the few stars lingering in the sky. On the hill, you can feel the terrific heat of the open flame, emphasized by the press of bodies around you. You have followed your queen from her starting point at the monument, clutching a cold cider, muddying your trainers in the soft grass. You can see her now, ascending the stage like a wraith, a pale apparition drowning in blossoms. 
In a slow circle she glides, each foot carefully placed. Of course, she is an actress, but as she passes your corner of the stage and meets your eyes, for just a moment there is something more. But now the green man has captured your attention as he walks towards the queen. The crowd, rowdy and loud throughout this experience, is enraptured. The noise you were so used to ignoring suddenly fades until you can almost hear the trams trundling along far below you. On the stage, the queen is spinning. Still poised and elegant, the long trailing sleeves of her gown carve strange runes into the night sky. The firelight bounces and plays along her form, joining the dance. The drums, projecting a steady beat all evening, begin to speed up. You can feel it echoing up from the ground to your stomach until your heart is thumping in time. The queen is still spinning faster and faster, a riot of swirling blossoms and fabric as she turns and turns and turns. A scream as the red actors pour onto the stage, shrieking and prancing, leaping through the air like embers going high by sharp tongues of flame. All eyes are on the green man as the court spins around him. The May Queen outstretches her hand and he falls. The drums stop. The actors stop. All eyes are trained on the May Queen as she approaches the down man. Your heartbeat is still keeping time, the chill of the night air forgotten in the scene playing before you. Slowly, lovingly, the green man is lifted by the members of the May Queen's court. He lies stiff, eyes closed, all movement still. They lay him at the feet of their sovereign. She reaches out towards him, and there, a twitch. His leg kicks out, his arm curling, a hatchling struggling to break free of its egg. But then he rises, and the cries of the crowd rise with him, yelling and cheering as he comes alive. Together, the May Queen and Green Man walk, hand in hand, towards the bonfire. The performance is drawing to a close, and in your head, you are already back in your warm bed, the kettle bubbling a lullaby. You watch as the actors reverentially lay the torch among the dry twigs, inhaling the thick white smoke as the dry kindling snaps and pops. Gazing at the pair, you squeeze your eyes shut tight against the blast of heat and light. For a moment, you are standing in the heather, the wind cold against your cheeks as a seed of starlight dances behind your eyes. For a moment, you are sure that if you looked up, you would see hundreds of thousands of stars looking back. For a moment, you reach back across the years and feel someone take your hand. The Folklore Scotland podcast is brought to you by Folklore Scotland. 
a charity that tells the tales of the past with the technology of today. You can visit our website at www.folklorescotland.com. If you're keen to become a voluntary contributor or would like to get in touch, send us an email at info at folklorescotland.com. You can also find all of our social media links and a complete list of sources for today's topics in the show notes. A huge thanks to Rasheen and Mila for all their hard work in bringing this episode to life with their writing, narration and research. Thanks also to David for your narration and of course Lindley for providing this episode's artwork. You can find Lindley's website and social media in the show notes as well. The music this week was Wild Lands by Alexander Nakarada. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.